0: Good evening everyone and welcome to E Bible Fellowship's Bible study in the book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 21 of Revelation chapter 3, and we're continuing to look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, "Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie; behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Now, we were looking in our last study at the statement that uh, the Lord speaks of the synagogue of Satan, those that say they're Jews and are not, but they do lie. And we saw how that relates to the figure that God uses of ancient Israel as a type and figure of the New Testament churches and congregations, And therefore, the Jews are types and figures of Christians. And here God is speaking this address to the church in Philadelphia. And therefore, the synagogue of Satan and the false Jews uh, has to do with the New Testament churches and congregations. It is um, a church that has been overrun, um, infiltrated by Satan, And his emissaries throughout the church age period, this occurred uh, time and again, and then the church's gospel would become another gospel, and the church's membership would become um, full of Jews that lied and were not truly Jews. That is, they were not born again. They were not circumcised in heart. Well, Now we're moving on to the second part of verse 9, which says, Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Now, um, them, I will make them is a reference to those Jews which are a part of the synagogue of Satan. It's the only way. We can understand that I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. And again, who is God addressing this to, to the angel or the messenger of the church in Philadelphia and each one of the seven messengers of the seven churches is a representative of God's elect. God gives them the message. They are then in turn to share it with the church because that's where God's people were located during the era of the church age. And and so here the Lord is telling his people, the elect, the ones that had kept his word and not denied his name um, from from the previous verse, verse eight, he is telling them that he is going to uh, bring about a time. It's in the future. It uses the future tense. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet. This is something that will happen at a future time concerning the false Jews that are a part of the synagogue of Satan or the professed Christians that are in the churches but are uh, they're not truly christian and the church they belong to has become an, another church another gospel not uh, a true follower or gospel of the lord jesus christ and and god says there comes a time that he will make them to come and worship before thy feet now to worship is uh, a word that normally involves bowing down. I will I will uh, cause them to bow down before thy feet or I will bring them low or bring them to the ground is really the idea here before thy feet and uh, the feet here, well, yes, it's speaking of the believers, but of course the believers are the feet of Christ how beautiful are the feet of him that carries glad tidings of good news we read in one verse and in another verse the same statement is made except it says how beautiful are the feet of them because christ's feet in his body are those that um, carry out his will of bringing the gospel message to the world and so Uh, when God makes them the unsaved um, professed people of God to come and worship or bow down before thy feet. Well, again, it would in the first instance point to Christ and also to the true believers who are the feet of the body of Christ and to know that I have loved thee. Now, we know that God loves Jacob, but Esau he hated. And Jacob is a picture of all those that God has saved through his election program. Those that were predestinated to salvation from the foundation of the world. And, and they are the ones, the first fruits that God saved during the church age. And they are the great multitude that God saves during the little season of the great tribulation. But here notice that uh, the Lord is saying that when this time comes, this future time, that he will make them, the, the professed Christians, to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee or that the Lord Jesus Christ Loves his elect. They will know it. Now, you know, that's the key, I think, to understanding the last half of verse 9 of Revelation 3 is this, this time when the unsaved will know when God loves his people and does not love them. That's the implication here. And we have a historical account of a time in the life of two brothers, the twin brothers, Jacob and Esau. And, and God is the one who uses these twin brothers as a figure of really all the people that will ever be born into the world. Jacob pictures the elect and Esau, those that are non-elect, that are not chosen to salvation. And they lived together as brothers as closely as possible for a number of years. But there came a time when uh, the blessing was to be given. And the blessing was going to go to Esau, the elder, the firstborn. And yet it, it things did not work out that way uh, because, well, God allowed circumstances to develop wherein Jacob, with his mother's help, was able to deceive his father Isaac into thinking he was Esau, and instead of Esau, Jacob received the blessing. It says in Genesis 27, in verse 32, And Isaac his father said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that has taken venison and brought it me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest, and have blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father." And he said, thy brother came with subtlety and has taken away thy blessing. And and it also says in verse 38, And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And then it, it continues to describe Isaac Uh, giving an earthly blessing to Esau that was very little in comparison to the blessing of the firstborn. And, And then Esau comforts himself by determining to kill his brother Jacob. And you see, there comes a time, this time came in the life of Cain and Abel, when they lived together for a period, but then Due to circumstances of God's arranging, there there comes a time when it is made known to the brothers who is the blessed of God and who is not. And with uh, Cain and Abel, it had to do with an offering. God accepted Abel's offering, but he did not accept Cain's offering. And so Cain knew that uh, that God loved Abel and did not love him. And as a result, he rose up in anger and did kill his brother Abel. And here Esau realizes, well, the blessing belongs to my brother Jacob and not to me. And that's an indicator of the blessing of God, the love of God. God loves Jacob and he does not love me. Now Esau does not kill his brother. Uh, he he sought to kill him. He had it in his heart and actually the Bible does say that if we think um this type of harm to another that that it's like we did it. It's just like adultery. If you think adulterous thoughts, you've committed adultery already. Jesus said with with her in your heart. And if you think about murder, then in that sense you've done it in your heart but for god's own purposes esau never did kill his brother jacob but they are both historical examples pointing to a time when god would make known who were his people and who were not and and many Thousands of years later, Jake and Esau were born in the year 2007 B.C. And the year 1994 was 4,000 years later. And yes, God is able to look that far into the future and to establish historical parables to teach things concerning events that would take place that much later. That's nothing to God, and that's what he did. And so... When we come to 1988, the 13,000th year of history, God ends the church age and he begins to open up information, or actually he does take the seals off the Bible, but, but it's a process to reveal this information to his people over a period of years until finally he reveals and gives understanding to his elect that the church age has come to an end. The church, the place where both the wheat and the tares were growing together until the harvest, the end. And now the time had come where God unsealed the scriptures and revealed to his people, you must come out of the churches for my people will obey me. They will, uh, they will flee. They will depart out of the congregations. None of my people will remain. And this began to make known to those within the churches that God loved these certain ones. They are the Jacobs. They are the elect. And, and from what they're saying, it means that he does not love me. Those that are left behind in the churches are typified by Esau or Cain. And this is um, a lot of what the Lord is saying here. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. And as God gave his people this information, they shared it. They shared the truths that they were learning concerning the end of the church age and judgment beginning at the house of god and that the lord's spirit had departed out of the midst of the congregations and satan the man of sin had taken his seat reigning ruling in the temple trying to show himself to be god and uh, it was it was said it was declared uh, for all to hear Look, if you stay in the church, that that's a, a strong evidence that you're not a child of God. And in fact, if you continue to remain there uh, up until the date of May 21, 2011, when Judgment Day comes, then your fate will be sealed. The judgment will be settled and, and you will be as a tear bundled for the burning. And, and when that day did come... That's exactly what God did spiritually. He lit a spiritual fire in which all those that remain stubbornly and uh, did not hearken to him. When God graciously warned all to come out of the church, they didn't listen. They remained and stayed there. All who did now were as bundled for tares you could you could just gather up every congregation every church every denomination out there all over the earth if this were um, someone gathering harvest and and received instructions from the husbandman first bundle the tares for burning and his reapers go forth they could in the spiritual realm just gather up all the churches that they found and throw them into the fire let's gather the presbyterians and throw them into the fire on may 21 let's gather the catholics and throw them into the fire and the lutherans and the pentecostals and the charismatics or the congregationalists and the independent churches the house churches Let's gather all of them because there's nothing but tears there and let us throw them into the fire of the wrath of God for it is time to burn the tears and they are all neatly bundled. Now, of course, God has other plans for the rest of the unsaved people, but he began judgment day with a judgment on the third part in destroying them, killing them in a way that uh, is not the case for all the other unsaved people of the earth. Because the rest of mankind were uh, outside of the church when the message of Judgment Day was, was being proclaimed to all the nations of the world. And therefore, potentially, uh, from their point of view and the point of view of believers... They, they could possibly have become saved and so we continue to pray for them and hope and, and we continue uh, to uh, wait on the Lord to see if maybe, uh, He will produce fruit in them through His Spirit if perhaps they were saved before He shut the door. But not so. That's not the case for about one third of the world's population, around two billion individuals that were in the churches and congregations since they were in the church and the holy spirit was not working there not saving there there was no possibility for them to have become saved if if they were in the church up until the time when god finally shut the door and then once he did shut the door to heaven once that uh portal the only portal of the Lord Jesus Christ the only possible way into the kingdom of God once that was closed and closed forever then it sealed their eternal fate and and uh, the professed christians of the world that were in the churches now they receive more stripes greater condemnation because of this um situation of their circumstances. They were in a place where no one could be saved, and they went from that awful condition of being in the church to a worse position once Judgment Day came, and now the door that was shut exclusively in all churches was now closed all over the earth. So this, uh, for all intents and purposes, killed them, it slew them. It burned them up spiritually. And, and so, uh, God is referring to this here. He's looking ahead to the day of judgment upon the churches when he will set in motion the process of dividing the wheat from the tares. And that, uh, process was underway during the Great Tribulation and was completed as far as the churches and congregations and and the sowing process in, in all churches, that process was completed on May 21. Now, of course, outside of the church, we, we have professed Christians and believers, and God has another plan for the day of judgment of trying the faith of all these to see uh, who are truly his people and who are not. But but that's another another subject, another way uh, that the Bible looks at it. Well, let's just uh, think about that before we continue on. And Lord willing, in our next study, uh, we'll we'll look at this idea of what God is saying here, that he will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. And we'll attempt to explain what the Bible means by this language And how it is that the unsaved did worship or fall down or bow down before the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and and also in turn of the true believers.